Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, one and all. We bring you the second edition of the Full 10 Yards podcast of the week. 24 hours earlier than normal as we get set for three bonus TV games this evening. I'm joined once again this week by Lawrence. How are you, my friend? Um, in a very, very festive mood after that humongous three-point victory over the Lions last weekend. And, and obviously, Sean, you're, you're a happy bunny as well. Um, unfortunately, I think we've got somebody in the camp who's who's not as happy um, after last week's games. Yeah, Tim had a little bit of a Twitter meltdown, didn't he, on uh, Sunday night? But uh, yeah, bless him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, good to be riding a winning streak, mate. And uh, they do say the season doesn't start until Thanksgiving, my friend. So maybe we're just hitting form at the right time. You never know. There could still be a late run uh, for either of our sides. But we're going to bring you up to speed with uh, the rest of the news from week 12 to round off the week. We'll obviously do the quiz as normal on the second pod of the week and then we'll get into those tasty turkey games that we've got coming up as well as getting you through all the weekend slides. So without further ado, let's kick off with First Down. First Down. So for First Down, let's talk a little bit, Lawrence, about Monday Night Football. You predicted on our podcast earlier in the week that we would see a blowout. And I think it's fairly safe to say that a scoreline of 45-6 to would absolutely constitute a blowout. Were you impressed with what you saw, mate? The Ravens continue to roll. Yeah, I mean, this this is a team with, it looks like now that that MVP momentum is heading towards Lamar Jackson. He was... I think perfect in the first half, wasn't he? In terms of completions, three touchdowns, ended up with 15 completions and and five touchdowns off the back of that, which is ridiculous. And and you know his streak of games with 60 or more rushing yards is is phenomenal. He's going to hit a thousand yards probably in the next two weeks in terms of rushing. This was this was it said two things. The game one the Ravens are absolutely for real and two, the LA Rams absolutely suck and whatever's going wrong with Jared Goff somehow needs to be fixed rather rapidly. Yeah, can't can't uh, disagree with that at all. I mean, it was it was funny really if you think about it. Twelve months ago, similar point of the season, there was the sort of almost historic Monday night football again between the Rams and the Chiefs, and and the parallels can be drawn here, can't they? You know, you got a young quarterback in Patrick Mahomes twelve months ago, Lamar Jackson this time around, and an offense that was you know producing you know drive after drive after drive. Obviously, the difference this year to last, the Rams last year kept pace and ultimately ended up winning that uh, ding-dong battle this this time around. As you say, that the offense just seems to have completely and utterly disappeared. Um, you know, looking at the box scores in this one, Todd Gurley carried the ball just six times. I appreciate that, obviously, the game plan would have potentially gone out the window once you get behind early on the scoreboard. But the Rams, you know, combined rushing effort was nine carries for 22 yards. 
Robert Woods had a decent return from injury, six receptions and 97 yards. But the next leading receiver after that was held to just 35 receiving yards. It's an offence that, you know, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily stuck in neutral. It's quite possibly in reverse at this stage of the season, isn't it, my friend? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a real shame, but I think since, since Super Bowl 53 and since the entire Rams offense, offense didn't turn up on that game, they just haven't found themselves since. And it's a lost season for the Rams. Yeah, it's a lost season. I think the, the longer-term concerns potentially is, you know, is it going to turn into multiple lost seasons? They've got a lot of cap room tied up now in the likes of Jared Goff and Todd Gurley on offence, and neither of those players are producing. And They've also got some big money, obviously, being paid to Aaron Donald. They traded in the season uh, for Jalen Ramsey, so there's lots and lots of money um, tied up in just a few players. Shout-out here to Marcus Peters, who, you know, revenge game, and, you know, to be fair, that looks like a very lopsided trade. All of a sudden, the Ravens will be thrilled with the level of production that they have got there. And for what it's worth, mate, just to let you know, little secret, I am slowly but surely jumping well and truly onto that hype train with you. Um, I think in terms of the MVP race, like you say, it seems, again, similar to the parallels from last year where Drew Brees was probably in control of that award for the majority of the season. And then Mahomes just sort of exploded with, you know, similar games to, to what Lamar Jackson's putting up now. So it will be interesting come down the season. I think we're probably very much down to a two-horse race now between Wilson and Jackson. And it'll be interesting to see which way that pans out. Uh, let's get you caught up to speed with some bits and pieces of news. It's a quiet news week, and as we're obviously recording 24 hours earlier, even less news than there possibly would be on a normal Thursday podcast from us. But just probably four relatively well-known players to hit injured reserve this week. A bad week if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, as Cameron Wake, the uh, the pass rusher, and Delaney Walker, the tight end, both hit injured reserve for the Titans. So two important players on either side of the ball there. For the Colts, last week's leading receiver, Eric Ebron, has also hit injured reserve. And for the Carolina Panthers, nose tackle Dontare Poe has also gone to IR. There's been a number of other moves um, in terms of you know practice squad additions, a few other players that have gone to IR. And Lawrence, I know that uh, we had a bit of fun with this last week. I'm sure that there's probably a name that's going to make me giggle. So go on, have you got a name of the week for me this week? Well, people say that being a graceful and dynamic cornerback is an art form. And one guy that's determined to prove that theory true is the Colts' latest signing. Wave your easels and brushes and welcome Picasso Nelson Jr. <laughs> Picasso Nelson Jr. I tell you, these names are getting better week after week after week. Well, oh, Picasso, Picasso was actually already drafted this year by the Tampa Bay Vipers in the XFL draft last mm -hmm. month. And you know me and my little factoids. Picasso's dad, also called Picasso, so they're obviously art lovers in that family. Um, he actually played in the late 80s. He bounced around a load of NFL teams but never really made it into the regular season. And he, he managed the season for the British Columbia Lions in the CFL. So there you go, digging deep this week. 
Uh, digging deep indeed, mate. A little bit of a preview there of the full 10 yards retro brand, which will be kicking off in the non-too-distant future. Right, let's not get too retro. Let's stick to week 12 and we'll move to second down for this week's quiz. Second down. Okay, time for this week's full 10 questions. And you can never have too many Browns fans on a podcast, in my opinion. So I'm delighted to welcome in Chris Goodman, who runs the UK Browns Twitter account. Chris, how are you, my friend? Hi, Sean. Good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And pleasure. I hope we won't embarrass ourselves tonight. <laughs> no, I'm sure you won't, mate. Pleasure for the Browns to be on a bit of a winning streak, mate. Something we're not that, all that familiar with. It's a, it's a rare occasion. I, I think when we were given up in the first half of seasons recently, aren't we? And just to concentrate on the second halves. And like last year, nice little bits how to have some optimism going into the off-season. Yeah, indeed. They do say the season doesn't start until Thanksgiving, so if that rings true, mate, maybe there are plenty of good things ahead for us. We will wait and see how it pans out. How, how do you think you're going to get on with this in terms of your NFL Week 12 knowledge? Um, well, when I play along, I often get two or three, so I would be delighted with two or three. <laughs> well... <laughs> Hopefully you can get a few more than that, my friend. I've deliberately not made too many Browns questions in case I get accused of being biased, but there might be a Browns-related answer in there, possibly giving you a little bit of a hint there, but we'll see how we get on. Um, As you said, Chris, you play along, so you'll know this is just 10 questions against the clock. Um, For those of you playing along at home, it's time to get your pens and papers ready. Chris, are you good to go, my friend? I am. Let's, Let's do it. All right, let's start the stopwatch and let's get into this week's questions. So. Question one, which quarterback laid the league in passing yards this week? That was our very own Baker Mayfield. Uh, Question two, how many yards did Derrick Henry rush for in week 12? Was it 159 or 179? Uh, I want to say 159. No, it's quite a lot. Name the two teams who scored three points this week. Oh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And, ooh, I'm going to have to pass on the other one. Okay, question four. Name two of the four teams that were on a bye last week. We're on a bye. Oh, my God. This is awful. Um, who didn't play? So let's go down the divisions. God has played. Uh, Falcons and Saints played. Bears and Lions, they both played. Cowboys and Pats. The Eagles played. Uh, I'm probably naming every team that's played and not getting the ones that didn't play. So if you name uh, all 32, you'll definitely get it right. Come on, <laughs> yes! let's, put, let, let's, push you, let, let's push you for two teams. Uh, let's just go for two completely random teams. Oh, my God. Let's go for, like... The Bucks play. Uh, the teams I'm thinking of have all played. This is the problem. So, I'm going to go with... Uh, oh, I'm just going to pass. I can't think. I honestly can't think. I'll keep thinking teams who've played. <laughs> okay, who scored the only Green Bay touchdown against the 49ers? Um, no idea. Pass again, sorry. <laughs> Which game had the least points in Week 12? Oh, the least points. Um, I feel like I know this one. 
it's going to be the other one where a team only scored 12 point, uh, three points. But what was it? Was it actually, was it the Patriots Cowboys? That was only 13 9. So let's go for that. Okay. How many field goals did Dustin Hopkins kick for Washington in their win against Detroit? Let's go with four. Uh, Will Lutz kicked a game winning field goal for the Saints. Was it from 33 or 43 yards? Uh, 33. Uh, name two of the three Baltimore Ravens who scored a pair of touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Uh, I'm guessing Ingram and Lamar. And question 10. Within 50, how many points were scored in week 12 altogether? Ooh, um, let's go f- 300. Okay, stop the clock. Interesting strategy there, mate, against the clock to be uh, quite deliberate with your answers, I think it's fair to say. (laughs) Two minutes 47 the time. Let's add them up and see how you got on. So, question one, which quarterback led the league in passing yards this week? It was indeed Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns with 327. Uh, Question two, how many yards did Derrick Henry rush for in week 12, 159 or 179? It was indeed 159. Question three, name two teams, the two teams who scored three points this week. You gave me one team, which was the Rams. The Rams actually scored six. The two teams I was looking for was Denver and Oakland. Oh, I played New Denver as well. <laughs> uh, question four, name two of the four teams on by last week. I, I very much enjoyed your strategy on this question. You got nowhere near it. I think at one point you may have mumbled, I don't think the Cardinals played. The Cardinals were one of the four. The four you could oh. have had were the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Cardinals, or the Chargers. Uh, who scored the only Green Bay touchdown against the 49ers? Devontae Adams. <laughs> Uh, Question six, which game had the least points in week 12? You were correct. It was Dallas and New England with a combined 22 points in the snooze fest on Sky's late game. Uh, How many field goals did Dustin Hopkins kick for Washington against Detroit? It was indeed four. Uh, Will Lutz's game-winning kick for the Saints was from 33 yards away. Uh, The three Baltimore Ravens, you got half a point for this one. So Mark Ingram was bang on the money. Lamar didn't actually add any scores, surprisingly, despite um, a stellar game. The other two that you could have had were Marquise Brown or Willie Sneed. And then finally, within 50, how many points were scored in week 12? You were very low here, my friend. You went with 300. The actual answer was 584. So quite a way off on that one. So let's go back and add them up. One, two, three, four, five, five and a half, if I'm being generous with Mark Ingram, mate. So you wanted two or three, and you certainly surpassed that, my friend. I'll tell you that. That's uh, that's not too bad. Uh, I feel like naming teams that don't play is quite hard, really, in a weird way. <laughs> you often concentrate. That was a, that yeah, was a nightmare one. <laughs> yeah, we often concentrate on what's happened as opposed to what's not happened. So I, uh, I do sympathise a little bit there. But uh, five and a half out of ten. Um, thanks for taking part, mate. Where can people get hold of you in, in terms of what you're doing on the uh, the UK Browns Twitter account? So the best place is UK underscore Browns, uh, mainly just tweets about the Browns and trying to free Miles Garrett. Um, and that is all really. Anyone anyone can give us a follow, try and chat, try and be active on a game day and try and build a Browns community in the UK. 
Yeah, brilliant stuff, mate. I'm obviously uh, following you already. Can certainly recommend it to any Browns fans that aren't following it. Always worth a follow, like you said, particularly on game day. And uh, I will certainly jump on that bandwagon to get Moles released, mate. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed we don't need him this weekend, though. But uh, I'm sure me and Lawrence will be discussing that shortly. So thanks ever so much for taking part, my friend. And uh, we will speak soon. Cheers, Sean. Go Browns. So there you go, a reasonable effort there from Chris. Five or five and a half. I'm not sure if we give out half points. Tim is usually the quiz master. But as I'm in charge this week and Chris is a Browns fan, I'm going to give him the benefit of a half point. He's certainly not troubling the top of the leaderboard anyway. That wraps up week number 12. So let's get in to week number 13 and start our preview as we move over to third down. Okay, Lawrence, before we get into the games, I'm going to throw it over to yourself just to introduce the concept of Thanksgiving to us because uh, you've released a very good read on the full10yards.com looking at the history of Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving games in the NFL. So I'm just going to pass it over to you, my friend, before we get into this week's action. Cool. Well, for everyone listening, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. Thanksgiving is actually all Henry VIII's fault. And if you want to find out why, I urge you to go on the Full 10 Yards website to find out. So just a couple of things that I haven't put in that article. This is actually the 99th year that we've got Thanksgiving games, with obviously the exception of the tiny little break during World War II. And the first slate of games actually took place in 1920. And moving right up to now, I think my estimation and my maths could be wrong, but I think 212 NFL slash AFL Thanksgiving games have been played. The Lions obviously have the most losses and wins. And bizarrely, the New York Giants have the most ties in Thanksgiving. Just to give, just to kind of take you out of football for, for a tiny second and just to throw the obligatory Thanksgiving American food stats in your face, just just because I always love it, and I don't think a podcast is complete without making these references. In America, it is estimated that 46 million turkeys will be eaten this weekend, and that's 1.46 billion pounds in weight of turkeys. And to to make those turkeys go down better, 80 million pounds in weight of cranberries, including 5 million gallons of jellied cranberry. And I don't even know if we have jellied cranberry over in this country. I've had a look at a picture of it and it it does not look nice. That amount of cranberries um, that are jellied is enough to fill eight Olympic swimming pools. And one final little food fact is that we know Americans can be very, very lazy. They are that lazy that they actually buy in for Thanksgiving every year, 19 million ready-made pies. You're making me hungry, all this talk of food, my friend. 
You are making me hungry. It's a brilliant article for anybody that hasn't read it. I know, Lawrence, you enjoyed writing it. I certainly enjoyed reading it, so I'd encourage everybody, go and check it out and give it a read. It's a bit of a preview to the full 10 yards retro, which Lawrence is going to be launching probably at the end of this regular season. So please go and check it out. Let's get into the meat and veg then of this week's games, Lawrence. Nice little segue for you there. Practice that one all day. Um, And what I would suggest is anybody that does want a feast on Thursday, I would probably get it cooked early because your early game is potentially a bit of a stinker, let's be honest. The Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears, or if you want to put it another way, Mitchell Trubisky against, in all likelihood, David Blau, who was the fourth quarterback on the Browns' depth chart in the preseason. What have we done to deserve this catastrophe? Um, Two sides, obviously, with losing records. Obviously, a divisional matchup, but one that's not got a huge amount of significance in it with the records that either of these sides have got. You would fancy that this is an opportunity. And again, I'm going to throw some more Thanksgiving puns in for you, mate, for the Bears to feast on the the, uh, quarterback matchup that they've drawn here. I would fully expect the Bears to be quite dominant in this one. The Lions have been struggling to to get any production from the run game, certainly since Kerryon Johnson has gone down. The Bears, as we know, have been struggling to get any production from their own offence, although Mitch Trubisky did actually show a few signs of life last week. Alan Robinson got more involved. He had a season-leading day with over 100 yards on six catches and found the end zone. I would expect the Bears to win this one quite comfortably but I don't think it's going to be making anybody's match of the week. Let's put it that way. Hopefully the second game on the slate, mate, is going to be a better one, and that's what you're going to take us through now, and that's the Bills travelling across to the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think that it, it's going to make people's Thanksgiving, and, and thank goodness it's that it's in the middle of the three games. So people who don't necessarily have to run home to watch the the Lions-Bears and probably won't want to stay up to see the third game because I don't think that's going to be particularly close. Whereas this, we've got the 8-3 and three Bills and the against the 6-5 and five Cowboys. Two teams at the moment that are thick into the playoff hunt. We've got the, the teams that have um, met five times since their Super Bowl matchups back in... 1993 and 1994, Bills have won three of the last five. And of those games, three have seen under 23 combined points scored, including a 16-6 win for the Bills back in 2015. So kind of in terms of those over-under, I've, I've definitely been going under for this game. Bills' first Thanksgiving game since 1994, since they lost to the Lions. And the Cowboys, they're, they're kind of, we know that they're a regular feature um, for Thanksgiving and they beat the Redskins Turkey Day last year. So Cowboys are coming off another clappy-handed disaster and they're welcoming a Bills team who've won three of their last four and includes some of um, second-year quarterback Josh Allen's finest performances, I think, which we've spoken about. Josh is actually 38th in the league in rushing and that, is, that includes all players and he's the third highest quarterback just behind um, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray 
And he's got more rushing yards this season than the likes of Devonta Freeman, Damian Williams, and even David Johnson. So, with the Ravens coming into Buffalo next week, the Bills are going to want to capitalise on a Cowboys team that really is underperforming and rather rapidly losing faith in head coach Jason Garrett. When I was listening to um, what the owner was saying, there was, there was some pretty kind of um, pretty discouraging quotes from um, Jerry Jones earlier on in the week about saying that the blame for this is, is purely on the coaching. He was saying 100 percent on coaching and, and not the players. So I think this is a this is a real big sign of him is finally losing patience. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, mate. But I think how much of the blame for that do you actually put on Jerry? Because as you say, I think the word there is finally losing patience. I think if you speak to a number of of Cowboy fans, and I know Tim would absolutely back this up. You know, this has been a long time coming. It's not like all of a sudden. Jason Garrett's morphed into this. So how much blame actually goes to Jerry Jones for this? Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely true. As a, as a kind of, you know, as a Cowboys hater, I, it's, it's hard for me to, to give anything but a, a negative opinion on the Cowboys. But yeah, I mean, this is, this, we're probably talking arguably one to two seasons. He's, he's given his, you know, given him that much of a, a rope to hang himself. He, he 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 could have gone back in 2017. Now, bizarrely, Jason Garrett actually does have some Thanksgiving form. Back in 1994, when he was the Cowboys' third-string quarterback, but due to injuries to Troy Aikman and Rodney Peake, he stepped up and engineered a 311-yard passing game on Thanksgiving, scored two touchdowns, and beat the Green Bay Packers. 42-31. So, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I can't see this game having a combined 73 points as, as I think both teams are going to want to establish the run. The Bills with rookie Devin Singletary and the, the man that will be there with the Locusts after the Holocaust, Mr. Frank Gore. And Dallas will be obviously looking for Zeke Elliott and, and his, um, his Robin to his Batman, Mr. Tony Pollard, to, to also step up. Bills have got the third overall defence in terms of total yards conceded and a third against the pass and third in points allowed. On the flip side, Dallas have got the top-ranked offence by total yards, topping the league in passing still, just, and they're sixth in scoring. Now, Tim, close your ears, but I've got the Bills going into Jerry's house and causing an upset, even though um, they have a superior record, so technically it's not an upset. I've got a 19-17 Bills victory. Yeah, I think it's going to be the best game of the three. Certainly, I could see it going either way. I think, you know, a big test for the Bills because they haven't necessarily beaten anybody um, that you wouldn't have expected them to have beaten. But then, obviously, the same can be said for the Cowboys. So, it would be an interesting game. Certainly, the best one of the three. The late one, as you alluded to, Lawrence, not sure how many neutrals will stay up for this one. But it's the... New Orleans Saints travelling to the Atlanta Falcons in a rematch of a game that was played literally just two weeks ago. Um, and that one turned out to be a bit of a surprise victory at the time for the Atlanta Falcons as they took care of business 26-9 to on that occasion. 
Um, you would suggest that the Saints have got more than enough to overturn that result and turn it around. However, like I said, it was a huge surprise when it happened the first time around. What wasn't a surprise is despite the scoreline, Michael Thomas still feasted on that day. He had 13 receptions on the day. Look for him to continue his record-breaking pace as he strives towards Marvin Harrison's record for receptions in a single season. I can't. I, I just can't trust this Falcons team. They looked great for two weeks and then looked bang average against the Buccaneers last weekend. I would fully expect that the Saints will go and take care of business. Um, and you know they need to in terms of you know keeping pressure up for a first round buy, which could be absolutely crucial in an NFC, which as we alluded to on Monday, Lawrence has got some excellent teams in and around those playoff positions. I think any of those six teams that are in there currently. I don't think it'd be a surprise if any of those won the Super Bowl, would it, mate? Let's be honest. Yeah, you, you know the, the the form that we've had of wild card teams winning Super Bowls. It's no longer a a one off. It's a kind of it's almost like a one in ten now that that you kind of get a team come out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely, mate. A couple of key injuries just to keep an eye on. Um, a potentially marquee matchup in this one would have been Julio Jones against Marshawn Lattimore. Both of those are questionable. And certainly Julio, it's already been sort of described as a game-time decision. So anybody playing fantasy, make sure that you are aware of the inactives come Thursday night because Julio is very much touch and go. Uh, like I say, not another stellar matchup, unfortunately. But they are three bonus games that we get on a Thursday evening, which we don't always get. Um, so some football for our eyes uh, to get involved with. Sunday, however, Lawrence, different story. And, uh, well, I don't even think it's an argument. The game of the week. Now, let's spend plenty of time discussing this one because the rest of the slate has a lot to be desired, if we're honest. So let's talk a little bit in depth, mate. Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, arguably the two best teams in the NFL right now. They go head-to-head at the 6 o'clock sky window. Yeah, I mean, just just kind of wow. What, what a great game to kick off Sunday with. And I hope I haven't jinxed that by saying how excited I am about looking forward to watching this game. Two teams with a combined 19 wins going into Sunday, including absolutely overwhelmingly the two top performances of Week 12. The 49ers and the Ravens actually combined for a 68-point um, margin of victory for those those two games. So it, it's it's just... It's just pretty scary for the rest of the NFL at the moment. And dare I say it, is this a look into the future and the matchup of Super Bowl 54? Question mark. Um, Could be. Could be. I mean, there is Super Bowl form going back in 2013, Super Bowl 47. The Joe Flacco-led Ravens. And outstanding returner Jacoby Jones beat a Colin Kaepernick-led 49ers team 34-31. In what's probably a Super Bowl that's not really talked about in terms of greatest Super Bowls ever, but was an amazing game. And I think it's it's kind of really go really flies under the radar as a as a as a you know incredible Super Bowl matchup. So normally with these sorts of big games, I'd say it's going to be a tense, low-scoring affair. But we've got teams that, that are bold, 
I've, I've kind of I've had a little look and combined the teams have gone already for 28 fourth down conversions between them and that you know they they're going to be after bragging rights at the at the the top of the NFL despite Lamar Jackson's five touchdown heroics on Monday night football I think this game comes down to who's going to run the ball best and considering that both teams are the top two rushing teams in the league both by yards and by touchdowns, something's got to give. I think it's just funny just to take a little little second here to, to compare the rushing stats between Lamar Jackson and Jimmy Garoppolo. So Lamar Jackson, no surprise, 876 yards on the ground, six touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo, 33 rushes for 41 yards and zero <laughs> touchdowns. So I think we're safe to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is indeed a pocket quarterback. For the 49ers, running back Matt Breeder is questionable. We're hoping to see him back, as is tackle Joe Staley. The Ravens, they did lose one of one part of their kind of sort of um, chess set in the fact that centre Matt Skura has gone down for the rest of the season. Interestingly for Skura, he was, even though he's not a household name, was actually second in the current Pro Bowl voting. Yep. So it does prove that there are a lot of actual fans that, that understand the game and understand how impressive the Ravens' offensive line is in terms of blocking, and they're not just voting for people that they've actually heard of. But so he- I was... I was are you sure it's not just the fact that sort of the casual fan thinks he must be great because he just always gives the ball to Lamar Jackson? That that kind of helps. Yeah, it's, it's it's always good when you when you when you're kind of passing the pigskin to number eight. <laughs> but I think that's it's one thing that we haven't really talked about a lot this season is is the performance of the Ravens' offensive line. I think we've we've really got to give credit to them, and I think. Hopefully, you know, they do get recognition at the end of the season and they they do they do kind of make that big difference. And I think seeing Skura go down and considering that that's that you know, it's a tight knit unit with these offensive lines when they're especially when they're performing at such a high level. So I think really key thing to watch out for this weekend. Sean, what what have you got in terms of key matchups beyond the, the running game? Uh, I think you've just mentioned the credit that's deserved there for the Ravens' offensive line. I think, obviously, if you were picking out a standout unit from the 49ers, it would be the defensive front. So, it's almost a strength against strength there. I think where teams, you know, certainly over the last few weeks have struggled, he's obviously trying to contain Lamar. You've said in terms of his rushing stats now in his consecutive games, over 60 yards. I think, you know, potentially, you know, look for Fred Warner to have you know, he needs to have a big game in this one for the 49ers, you know, in the middle of that defence. You know, he it's a very difficult one when it comes to defending the Ravens. There's a guy that I sort of communicate with and he's adamant that, you know, you should almost spy Lamar. Um, but then on the flip side of it, he's also sort of commenting on the fact that the tight end gets a lot of the production over the middle. You can't do both. Um, you know, so I think that defensive line... Uh, is absolutely key for the 49ers. I think if the 49ers win this one, they win it low scoring. Um, I can see it being one of two things, if I'm honest. I can either see it being a low-scoring 49ers win or another blowout Ravens win. I don't really see it being anything in between. 
you know, could be proved wrong, but uh, I think that the, the key for the 49ers here is, you know, win the turnover battle and, um, and like I say, you know, try and obviously run the ball, keep uh, keep the Ravens off the field. Um, would be interesting to see how that defensive front goes against uh, the potent run game, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not just saying it because um, of my, you know, deep love for Lamar Jackson, but I think what tips the scales here is the 49ers having to travel um, across country um, to Baltimore. And I think that home field advantage will actually play a, a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, got, I've got the Ravens, but in, in a tight game. And I have got a, a tight, maybe not quite as low scoring as you think, but I've, I've, I've got the Ravens just about, just about winning this. Be interesting, mate. Certainly, like I say, the game of the week. I don't think there's any doubt about that one. So, for those of you tuning in, hopefully you get a good one. Uh, the game that follows that in terms of the Sunday schedule on Sky Sports is potentially another big one for slightly different reasons. This one has got divisional um, ramifications attached to it as the Oakland Raiders travel across to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, an Oakland Raiders team that essentially did not turn up last week. However, with that being said, Lawrence, there is one team in the NFL that's got a winning record and a negative point differential. That team is the Oakland Raiders, which is a little bit of a surprising stat this far into the season that a team with a minus 56 point differential actually sits with a winning record. There's plenty of teams with a losing record with a much better point differential than that. I could point to the Broncos, who are three and eight. They've got a better point differential. The Browns at five and six have got a better point differential. Uh, you know, there's plenty of teams around the league that have got a, a much better point differential, but with losing records. Even even the Detroit Lions at three seven and one have got a better point differential. Um, so it goes to show with the Raiders that they're winning tight games and getting blown out in the ones such as last week where they don't turn up. Uh, and that would be a concern because they're obviously going up against a Kansas City side fresh off a of bye week that are still fourth in the league in scoring, despite, you know, all the doom and gloom and the fact they only sit there, you know, currently with a um, seven and four record, you know, a team that once upon a time looked in, you know, invincible, only seven and four, but like I say, certainly offensively, not a problem. Fourth in points scored with 28 a game. Second in terms of passing, so Patrick Mahomes still getting the job done through the air. So I, I fully expect Kansas City will win this one and win it quite comfortably, to be honest. I I probably had brought into the Raiders without sort of really probably delving too deep into the into the stats and probably got a little bit caught up in the whole drama that surrounds the franchise and John Gruden and all the rest of it. However, with that being said, I don't think all hope is lost in this one. I think Josh Jacobs could have a nice bounce-back game. He obviously hit the bench in the third quarter against the Jets last week. As as we alluded to, they waved the white flag once they realised that game was up. Hopefully for the Raiders, it will mean that Josh Jacobs has got a little bit more fuel in the tank. We know that the Chiefs struggle against the run. Uh, I was surprised to actually sort of read earlier when I was... Um, doing um, the um, the sort of research ahead of the pod that there's actually two worst teams against the run. The Chiefs are actually 30th in the league, um, but, you know, still not anywhere where they would want to be for a team with playoff aspirations. They give up 143 on the ground per game. So look for Josh Jacobs to have himself a day potentially here for the Raiders. And I think that's the way they've got to approach this one. They've got to you know, run the ball. We've said about the blueprint to beat the Chiefs. It's all set up for the Raiders if they can get Josh Jacobs going. 
Um, you know, but I, I just think the Chiefs will have far too much firepower here, mate. How do you see this one going? I'm, I'm equally confident. For my my Sky Sports fantasy team, I've I've bought back Patrick Mahomes and I've I've given Lamar Jackson a a little rest on my fantasy bench. So I've I've got the Chiefs winning handsomely as well. Now, if that doesn't breed confidence, you sitting Lamar Jackson down, I don't know what else possibly could breed confidence, my friend. Uh, so two decent games, it would appear on paper at least, on the Sky Sports window for the um, afternoon and early evening slate. In terms of Sunday night football, Lawrence, hand it back over to yourself. The Patriots looking to consolidate first place in the AFC against the Texans side that obviously had a huge win last week to get them back at the top of their division. Uh, and they will obviously look to um, consolidate their place, certainly for the division lead. But, you know, worst case scenario, win wild card spot as uh, Sunday night football sees Bill O'Brien against his old employer. Yeah, we've, we've got the Patriots at 10-1, and 1, but it's it's arguably their ugliest ever 10-1 and 1 record in the, in, the, in the Bill Belichick era against a, a 7-5 and 5 Texans team that still haven't quite kind of define themselves yet this season. They're, they're not quite hitting or firing on all cylinders at the moment. I can see this game quite easily as a as a playoff matchup come January. So this could be a bit of a bit of a preview of something like a, a divisional playoff contest. As I said, Deshaun Watson still doesn't look a hundred percent, but Texans have won three of their last four including the significant divisional win, as you say, against the Colts last week. Both teams are atop of their divisions. I think the reality is, any time anyone says Tom Brady's slowing down, he goes and wins a Vince Lombardi trophy. But saying that, he is slowing down. So I've just cursed everybody else, and the Patriots are going to go and win another Super Bowl. Um, but he's, his supporting cast is not exactly... Brandy Moss and Gronk, with the likes of Jacoby Myers and Ryan Izzo, you're just not going to set the world alight. So, I mean, this if this isn't proof that Bill Belichick is the, the greatest head coach in NFL history, I don't know what, frankly, is. Because I can't, I can't see a... I mean, we've got all these incredible offensive performances, but we haven't really started talking about coach of the year. I'm sorry. But just because you've won a load of Super Bowls doesn't mean you're not eligible to become Coach of the Year yet again. And I think Bill Belichick is, at present, Coach of the Year. So, after my little rant there about Coach Belichick, good to see rookie Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, score his first touchdown. And I'm sure he's hoping to finish the season with some some stats that are worthy. Um as mentioned in the fantasy part of the pod, um, sorry, the full 10 yards website and stuff, this could be time for Rex Burkhead to emerge as Sony Michelle is, is yet to have a 100-yard rushing game and he hasn't had a rushing touchdown in his last four. So the Patriots running game needs a spark and, and Rex Burkhead is, is the kind of guy that can, you know, he's that kind of lunch pail kind of guy that you... you that Coach Belichick loves. So I think we're going to see a bit more of Burkehead as, as we move into playoff season. And if there's any time 
for DeAndre Hopkins of the Texans to prove himself as a top three receiver. This is the game. But really, I can't see it happening as I think the, the Patriots D, which is on this in this historic pace to kind of obliterate all these various records, are going to be the key to this victory. Tight game, low-scoring game. I've got it 17-14, New England. Yep, can see them grinding out another one for me. As much as we've sort of talked about their issues, still the team to beat. You know, as you say, they will always find a way. It seems to get it done. Uh, rounding off your TV slate of games this week is a very tasty matchup on Monday Night Football as the Minnesota Vikings visit the Seattle Seahawks. And I think an important word I said there, Lawrence, was visiting the Seattle Seahawks. I think if this was at Minnesota, I would really fancy them. They're 5-0 at home. They are 3-3 three and three on the road. And for that reason, I would probably therefore more favour Seattle in this one. Although, surprisingly, the two defeats that Seattle have actually had this year were both at home also. Seattle are actually perfect 6-0 and on the road. So we often talk about a team travelling across the country. It hasn't had any detrimental effect to Seattle this year. If you look at it from a statistical point of view, these sides are very similar. Minnesota are eighth in scoring, Seattle are seventh. One key difference, though, is the amount of points allowed defensively. Minnesota sixth in the league at 18.6. Seattle ranked 21st in the league, giving up 23.9. Seattle's defence has been a little bit more opportunistic, though, and have taken the ball away with more regularity, giving that offence more opportunities. They are plus nine in the takeaway differential. I think this could be a really good matchup. I think another opportunity for Russell Wilson in prime time um, to go, you know, toe to toe against a quarterback who, you know, not getting any talk in terms of MVP candidate or anything like that. But quietly, Kirk Cousins has been pretty phenomenal this year. Um, he actually ranks second in terms of passer rating behind Ryan Tannehill, as we discussed on Monday's pod. Um, he, he has quietly put together quite a stellar season after you know the opening few weeks where there was a lot of discontent from the receiving core. Um, the Vikings have, have put together a nice run and you know I've been pretty high on them all year. I think they're a nice rounded team. Like I say, they're eighth in points scored, they're sixth in points allowed. That to me suggests a good balanced roster. I'd, I'd like to tighten up against the pass. Um, you know, that seems to be an area that teams have exploited them. Um, however, they are pretty stout against the run. And we obviously know that Seattle likes to open up the play-action game by, uh, by establishing the run in the first instance. So it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. I've got this down as a Seattle win, like I say, based on the fact that they're the home side. But Lawrence, how do you see this one going? And, you know, you know, do you have it the same way I do with Seattle just sneaking out a victory in this one? Yeah, I, I, I think Russell Wilson is is playing as, as as we talked about, kind of arguably, and you know he's 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 up there in that in that MVP shout, and I think he's his confidence and and his his experience, I think, is going to shine through. I've got maybe a slightly slightly bigger Seahawks win, so say between sort of eight and nine points, so safe safe Seattle win. Okay, it'll be interesting to see how those games pan out. Like I say, but for me, some stellar matchups on Sunday and Monday. I think, as we mentioned, the Cowboys Bills game interesting in terms of the turkey offering on Thursday. But you know, let's enjoy the fact that we've got seven games to feast our eyes on over the course of this weekend. 
great news for all big NFL fans. Right, let's move on to fourth down and whiz through the rest of Sunday's slate. Fourth down. Okay, fourth down, quick fire this week. There aren't a huge amount of games that have playoff implications for both sides. So we'll touch briefly on the majority of these. Probably a couple of games that have playoff implications for both. We might spend a little bit longer on. Uh, so, Lawrence, let's throw it over to you to open us up, mate. Your Redskins looking to get a winning streak together. They take on the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, I joked earlier on in the week that the Redskins could go on a six-game win streak. But when you're facing Christian McCaffrey, any talk of that is going to get completely flushed down the toilet. So we've got these two teams have absolutely failed in large part due to quarterbacks being either injured or being benched. Carolina have lost their last three, despite a series of stellar run games from, from Run CMC, who's got an, an incredible... 1,123 yards rushing, 586 passing and 16 touchdowns. But with December games coming up against the Seahawks and the Saints, you can stick a fork in the Panthers. The fork went into the Redskins in in October. So we do have realistically one shot at an all-pro. Sean, who is the Redskins all-pro going to be? No idea. Punter, Tressway, who's leading the NFL with a 49.2 yard average. I won't say any more. So, realistically, this is a, a Panthers win, and they're going to snap their skid and move to 6 and 6 with a sly 26 10 win. Well, very nicely done, my friend. Cincinnati Bengals, New York Jets. The Bengals still looking to get off the uh, zero mark. The Jets. Pretty hot team right now. They've won three in a row. Uh, the Bengals, the news in this one really is that Andy Dalton is back under centre. The Ryan Finley experiment lasted three or four weeks and they've decided that he's not much there to see. Uh, I would fully expect that the Jets will continue their hot streak in this one. Look for Sam Darnold to continue what has been improved play over the course of the last month or so. Lawrence, back to you. Dolphins, Eagles. This is not a mistake just wanted to say this particular statistic the leading Dolphins rusher active on Sunday is Kalen Ballard with 135 yards no that's not his performance for last week that's for the entire 2019 season so it makes the feats performed by Ryan Fitzmagic that bit more memorable so I'm not really going to talk about the game but I just wanted to reflect very briefly on Ryan Fitzmagic's career since 2015, the bearded one, now playing for his eighth team, has played 150 games, thrown 200 touchdowns, ran for 18, tossed an eye-watering 158 interceptions and been sacked just 273 times in a career. Fortunately, the Eagles is not one of the teams that he's played for. Dolphins lead this series 8-6 all-time and won the last time they, they met up. And it was actually a Ryan Tannehill to Jarvis Landry fourth quarter touchdown that won the game for the Dolphins. Not a game that I think a lot of people are going to be watching. Personally, I'm hoping Carson Wentz ditches his weird camo arm stockings because they need to win the game, not win style points. So I do have the Eagles winning this game 
and with a Texas Chainsaw Massacre by the Bills, we could see the Eagles and the Cowboys at 6-6 six and six by the end of the week. Yeah, every possibility, mate. I think that he's going to go back and forth all year long until the inevitable Week 17 Eagles-Cowboys Sunday night football to decide the division. Uh, another team that will be in a division race right into the end of the Green Bay Packers. They have the New York Giants on the schedule this week, so you'd expect a nice bounce-back game here for the Packers. The Giants carrying a seven-game losing skid. And it's kind of gone a little bit quiet and unnoticed to some extent. I think, you know, all the talk of, of Daniel Jones coming in and there was quite a lot of um, sort of hype around that a few weeks back. That's all sort of died down. I think the bigger news really for the Giants is Saquon Barkley really having a bit of a sophomore slump. He, he really hasn't got going since he's come back from injury. There's an argument that says that actually they should probably just shut him down and make sure he's fully healthy for the start of next year in what is unfortunately for Big Blue yet another losing season. Uh, fully expect the Packers, though, to get back on uh, winning ways. And as we've just alluded to, the Vikings have got a tough Monday night football game, so potentially a chance for the Packers to reassert a lead at the top of the NFC North. Let's come back over to you, mate, for two teams that have got losing seasons written all over them, the Bucks and the Jags. Yeah, both at four and seven. And I think aside from seeing how many more yards the Buccaneers duo of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans can add to their impressive totals. This is not a game that anyone's going to be particularly interested in watching. Jags have lost their last three and Bucks have actually won two of their last three, but over teams with losing records. One more loss here for the Jags and we could, I think, see the second coaching casualty of the season as expectations were a lot, lot higher for Doug Marone and the Jaguars than, than four and seven kind of two-thirds of the way through the season. We've got the Nick Foles problem at the moment. Obviously, Jaguars spent a lot of money bringing him in, but he's led the Jaguars to actually less victories this season than the Redskins' Dwayne Haskins. So <laughs> you know there's a problem. I think we've got to see if the Jaguars running back, Leonard Fournette, can reach 1,000 yards. He just needs 49, so that's quite realistic. Rookie Gardner Minshew actually boasts a better rating than Foles and he's got that cult following. So is it time to go back to him? You know, that, that debate rumbles on. For the Bucks, they've got the fourth-ranked passing offence and the third most points in the league. But they are not, that's not translating into wins and they're leaking 30.5 points a game. I think about the best part of this game will be the weather. Bucks to win this in the end in a relatively high scoring game and calls to axe former London Monarchs offensive lineman Doug Marone I think become deafening at the end of this week yeah can't disagree with anything you've said there mate I don't think he's going to get any calls to be fired but Sean McVay could do with a win as the Rams and Cardinals do battle the Cardinals fresher for bye week I've been impressed with Cardinal Murray this year I think this Cardinals offence has become very watchable so this could be an entertaining game certainly from them we've talked about the problems of the Rams offence and it was on full display again in Monday Night Football as we alluded to uh, that the Rams really need to get some things figured out and you know I would suggest the next few weeks become evaluation time uh, their goose is pretty much cooked when it comes to the playoffs. I think you know we can pretty much lock the six into the NFC, as we've alluded to. As for the Cardinals, they'll continue to, to sort of evaluate what they've got. I think they're moving on from David Johnson based on his lack of involvement over the past couple of weeks. 
Um, you know, but it's an offence that certainly is trending in the right direction. And potentially, like I say, a little bit of a, a sneaky good game, this one, depending on whether the Rams' offence does turn up or not. Could potentially be high scoring because the Cardinals' defence certainly has been anything but stellar uh, so far this season. Uh, another potentially bit of a, a sort of a dead rubber, mate, Chargers and Broncos. Yeah, Chargers at four and seven, Broncos three and eight. And I think it's 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 really sad. This is how Philip Rivers ends his career on a completely forgettable Chargers team. It's it, it, it really is a crying shame. He's got Hall of Fame numbers, but unfortunately no Super Bowl appearances. So that that kind of debate as to whether he goes into Canton, I think it's gonna gonna rumble on for a long, long time. Plus the fact that this week, Ladanian Tomlinson was snubbed from the list of the NFL's 100-year all-time team on running backs, considering his, his kind of mind-boggling stats. I think it's going to be a tough December for Bolts fans. For the Broncos, there's whispers that rookie Drew Locke gets his first start. I don't think this is really going to catapult Denver to make their season any more noteworthy. What was in recent years a ding-dong division title deciding sort of game is now completely irrelevant. And, and this, this really is a shame. Even Broncos' Von Miller, who's been an all-pro for God knows how long, he isn't even on pace to hit 10 sacks this season. He's got six so far in 11 games. And for the first time in his career, he hasn't even registered a forced fumble yet in the season. So, can we please stop talking about this game as it's kind of making me a bit depressed. I think Chargers to nip this one 21-20 in a completely inconsequential contest. Well, I think we've done a good job there, mate, of annoying several fan bases. Apologies if you support any of those teams. Me and Lawrence didn't really mean that none of these games were relevant. They're all relevant if you are a fan. Um, but obviously, as we said, they certainly don't have implications when it comes to the playoffs for both sides involved. The two games that are left on the schedule, though, that probably do have playoff implications for both. So we'll start off with the rematch of the Thursday night brawl for all of a few weeks ago. The Browns travelled to Heinz Field to take on the Steelers. Steelers currently somehow are sitting in a playoff spot, despite obviously all the offensive struggles that we have talked about. And Lawrence, cue up your duck whistles, mate, because Devlin Hodges is going to start quack, that quarterback. Quack, 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 quack. Yeah, I think it's a little bit chicken on the on behalf of the Steelers. I think they were always going to pull Mason Rudolph from this game with any sort of um, opportunity that they had. And, you know, don't get me wrong, his play has been poor. Um, you know, but obviously he is taken out of the fire in this one. I imagine that there'll be an awful lot of focus on the referees in this game. I imagine it's going to be called very tightly. I can see it possibly being quite a... Uh, stellar day in terms of the volume of flags that are thrown and I think the whistle will be blown quite quickly when it comes to you know running backs being held up and all that kind of stuff I don't think uh, anyone's going to want any skirmishes to break out in this one which is a shame really because it detracts from the fact that this is a huge game in terms of the record of both sides as I've alluded to Steelers currently occupy a playoff berth the Browns on this winning streak, and I've said all along, the schedule does open up for the Browns after this. They've got two games against the Bengals and the Cardinals still on the schedule. So this is a huge, huge game and an opportunity. 
um, to sweep the Steelers for the first time. Um, well, will be the first time since the Browns actually came back as a franchise 20 years ago. That goes to show that this hasn't really been a rivalry for all that long. Um, interesting game. Uh, in the early window, um, I'll obviously be tuned into this one. I know a lot of people will obviously tune into the 49ers and Ravens, and rightfully so. Um, but I think in terms of the other games that are important in the early window, this one is one of the ones to watch. And to round us off for the week, mate, I'll pass you across the other one that means a lot, and that's the Colts and the Titans in the AFC South. Yeah. This is a really, really evenly matched game. Both teams with the same record, six and five, both in the same division, and both still legitimately with a shot of actually winning their division in, in the last five weeks. In, in terms of how, you know, it's, it's, it's literally a Rizzler, a Rizzler paper separating them. They're both four and two at home and two and three on the road. The Colts won a squeaker 1917 back in week two, and I can't see the scoreline for this game being a lot different. Titans running back Derek Henry and his Beavers tail are fourth in the NFL in rushing and Henry will hit the 1,000-yard mark likely in the first Titans drive, if not his first handoff of the game. Henry's actually ran for 347 yards and four touchdowns at 8.3 a carry in the Titans' last two games. Unsurprisingly, two wins. And, and here's my, just bear with me here, Sean. I was actually at the, the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami to see live Ryan Tannehill's first ever touchdown as an NFL player, a two-yard run back in 2012 against the Raiders. And this was whilst my wife and my 11-month-old daughter were enjoying the concessions in, a, in the club-level lounge. I mean, I recommend going there in terms of going to Miami. Um, great experience. I know this is kind of side side angle here. And in fact, three years before I went to that first game, I paparazzied the upcoming Super Bowl headline act, J-Lo, on the orange carpet before a Dolphins game. So if you look up NFL fan in England, J-Lo and YouTube, you can actually see it for yourself. Coming back to the game, in a season of kicking woes, I can see this coming down to whoever has the best field goal kicking performance. I'll give it to the Titans, 23-20, and I completely wouldn't be surprised if this game gets settled in overtime. Be interesting, mate. The Titans actually signed a place kicker this week, so we'll see if he suits up and if he kicks a game winner, he will get instant hero status, that's for sure. Hopefully this week we've previewed all the games, mate. I'm just looking. I think we've got them all. Let's hope we haven't missed one uh, this week. So, again, apologies. No, we're all good. We're all good. I think we've done it this week, mate. We're, we're getting better each and every week. Right, the referees are running in, mate. Let's get out of here. Time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, just a couple of minutes to get you up to speed with where we are. College Football Podcast is going to land any time now, so give Lee and the boys a listen as we obviously reach the last week of college football in terms of rivalry week, so some big games there. I see Ohio State have finally got to number one in the rankings about time two, if you ask me. Uh, as we obviously have Thursday night football in a big way this week with three games, make sure your fancy lineups are set nice and early. Go and check out all the articles that are there. There's plenty to get your teeth into. 
with all of the boys over in the fantasy section. As I said earlier, give Lawrence's article a good read ahead of Thanksgiving. Get yourself in the mood for it. A great piece there looking at the history of Thanksgiving and the NFL and a real nice little preview into what we hope will be an exciting new feature from us at Full 10 Yards in the off-season as we have a bit of a retrospective look at the NFL in days gone by. We will be back again next week on Monday. Potentially, a little bit of a spoiler, we may well have a new member of the Full 10 Yards joining us on the podcast, uh, but that will be confirmed. But that will be in your ears as usual late Monday, early on Tuesday. So that is your week 13 preview done and dusted. So, Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you once again for your company and enjoy the Thanksgiving games. Cool. Thank you. You too. You too. Appreciate it, mate. So, thanks to everyone for listening. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.